Shalom and welcome to the science of the covenant. And yes, we are back. And before we get started on this holy Shabbat, we want to give praise to the almighty, the most high Yahuwah and his son, Yahusha, who died for our sins. And it's because of them is why we are here. So we give all praises to our creator who created everything. And welcome to the Science of the Covenant. I am Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is the Pastor Richard Washington, and we are the Science of the Covenant. Now, if you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live, or even after the podcast, if you have any questions, please feel free to email us at thescienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Again, that's the Science of the Covenant at gmail.com and we will either get to your question on air if it's live and if it's not live we will get to your question on the next following podcast so pastor what are we going to be studying today what we're going to uh, do is start a series dealing with what i've entitled the science of the seed and we want to look at the seed uh and it's a number of inferences that we can draw from the seed. And it's going to deal with quite a uh, few scenarios that are germane or relevant uh, to the plan of salvation. So we want to look at the seed. And as we look at the seed, uh, both today, which is going to be kind of like an introduction, and then in the future, we'll be going into more depth on the seed uh, to be able to deal not only with creation, but also with the plan of redemption. So that's what we're looking at to deal with the science of the seed. Science of the seed. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And so this is be the serious that we will be embarking upon. And... Uh, I guess in a few weeks we'll, especially in July, we'll be going into the uh, uh, Pentecost. But uh, we we'll wait a few weeks before we start announcing that because there uh, is a few weeks off from Pentecost. But up until then, we'll be dealing with the science of the seed. Okay. With that being said, let us have a word of prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you for another Shabbat. And as we enter into it, that we may have the blessings that you have in store for us. Bless my co-host and bless him, O Heavenly Father, that as he continues, that he may be blessed under you and your leadership, that the power of the Holy Spirit may guide him in the way that you would have him to go. Pray and ask, Lord, that you bless each one who listens, that they too may follow the covenant promises to be able to walk in the way that you that you lead, and we know that that way leads to the kingdom of Elohim. Now bless me as I engage in the discourse of the science of the seed, that you would give me knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to be able to impart the things that you have imparted to me, that we may be the better for it. These and other blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay, we want to turn into the book of Genesis, <clears throat> into Genesis. Uh, we want to look at a couple of verses, and we'll be going more into these verses, but we'd like to use these as we get started. 
Now, in these in this particular verse, these particular uh, texts that I'll be reading, uh, they are the first time in the Holy Writ that these verses mention the word seed. They mention the word seed, and uh, we want to look at these verses. So that's Genesis chapter 1, and we want to look at verses 11 and 12. Here the Bible says in the 11th verse, so here, here, here it reads, it says, And Elohim said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and the fruit of the tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And Elohim saw that it was good. So here we are seeing uh, the first time the word seed is being mentioned in the Bible. And this is what we want to look at, the study of the seed. And when we deal with the study of the seed, we are talking about the science of the seed because the science is a study of something. So when we study the science of the seed, we will discover principles and laws which living plants, animals, and humans have in order to reproduce after their kind. And what we're going to see in the animal kingdom as well as the plant kingdom is that there is a commonality out of all of these uh, things when you deal with plants, animals, and humans. They all have a common denominator of a seed. They all have seeds, and the seed is to reproduce after the kind. So upon our, di upon our discovery of the principles and the laws, we will also notice how <clears throat> they are associated to Elohim, our creator, when we read into these principles and laws, they will open our eyes to see the nature of Elohim who arranged and established these laws within the botanical as well as the zoological world. He established these arrangements in each one of these species. Elohim created both the botanical and the zoological spheres of this world to have their seed. So everything that's living have, has its seed. So when we read in Genesis, it speaks about how each species of life comes into being by a seed. Now, <clears throat> by way of introduction, the question we'll be addressing in this compilation is, who was... <clears throat> Yeshua, well, we won't be getting into that, but what we'll be engaged in is the question of which came first, the chicken or the egg? Now, in this particular question, we want to see what many have characterized as that the chicken came first, and then the egg, and some say the egg, and then the chicken. But the best way that we can deal with this particular situation is to go to the Holy Writ 
and find out what it says about the chicken and the egg, and we'll explore that. So not only are we looking in this study to deal with how uh, man uh, views the plant world and the animal world in the world of creatures, but eventually we want to get into the study to be able to show how uh, the seed of Elohim uh, came into existence. And as we look at that, we'll get a more in-depth look on how uh, the Messiah came into being. So a lot of the borderline questions that we'll be dealing with is addressing in this compilation, was Yeshua uh, by Yava, or when we engage in this question, we are we'll discover that there's much more to it than may we may anticipate. In other words, the question has been asked. Uh, if, Ye, if Yeshua <clears throat> came into this world, where was he or how was his being before he came into this world? Was he created? Or was he begotten? And when we raise the question about how Yeshua came to being, there are a number of pertinent concerns which surface. These concerns involve the nature of Elohim. And one of the concerns most scholars and theologians can agree upon is that Yahuwah has always been in existence. There never was a time when he was not. He has always been here. Moreover, even the common everyday person who may not on who may not be on the same page as scholars, uh, they also who casually read the scriptures will validate this premise that Yah or Elohim has always existed. I think most people would agree to that. That if you talk about the one that we call Father of of Yeshua, it's no question. No nobody ever attributed him to a time that he was never in, in existence. The scholars as well as the common person know that he has always been in existence. So since there isn't what I would say a resistance as to Yehoah's eternal existence, I wouldn't make this a matter of concern in this study. Our focus in this compilation will be on developing a thesis around whether Yeshua was created or begotten. These words aren't synonymous and will be scrutinized in our research. So the question we pose in this study is, if Yahuwah has always been in existence and there was never a time when he was not, our focus in this study will be on his son. Now, our focus will be on the son of Elohim and how he came about, whether his son was begotten or created. Now, as I pointed out, we won't be getting into that right away, 
But as we deal with the seed, we'll be approaching those questions. So when we consider the nature of Elohim, we will view it from the nature of his creation. Now, according to the creation account, when he created the plants, fish, fowl, and creatures of all kind, he created them with their seed to reprodu reproduce them. Moreover, he created the man and the woman to have seed within themselves to reproduce after their kind. So when we consider the marine life, the terrestrial life, and the celestial life, of all of them have a seed. The seed contains the DNA of the species. Now it's, <clears throat> now it's interesting when you, when we view the word seed in Hebrew, it comes from three Hebrew letters. And it's Z, Ara, and Ain. Okay. Now, the Z and the Ara are quite vocal, but the Ain, the Ain is not vocal. It is given the, the vowel sounds according to uh, what vowel we are trying to make it sound like. Now, Sometimes the A can be pronounced as an A, and sometimes it can be pronounced as an E. Okay, so when we spell the word C, it is spelled according to the English language. It would be Z-E-R-A, Zira. That would be what seed would be. Okay, now uh, Zira has three letters, and the last letter of Zira would be silent and it would be, it would be giving the vocal sound of E, which is Zira. So we have, uh, in the English, we would spell it Z-E-R-A. But in Hebrew, it would be Z-R-E or Z-R-A-N. Now the A-N is, 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 is the E sound. So when we look at the three letters, Zane, which is Z, Rosh, which is Ara, and Ain, which is E. When we look at those three letters, now, in the Hebrew, not only is the word important, but also each letter. Now, what are the letters? Okay, by way of repetition, it is Z, Ara, E. Okay, now, the Z as a letter stands for weapon. The Ara which is Rosh, stands for head, and the Ain or the E stands for eye. Now, isn't it interesting that when we look at a seed, that it is composed of three letters. One is Zane, which is a weapon, and the Ara, which is head, and the E, which is eye. Okay? So we got a weapon, a head, and an eye. And oftentimes when you look at an ultrasound of a baby in a womb, oftentimes you can see the large head. And so what we're looking at in a seed, we're looking at a weapon that is a head with an eye. And so we'll probably be exploring that a little bit more, but it's interesting how the very word seed uh, comes to us with a head, an eye, and as a weapon.
Now, what we look at also in that on those letters of the word is that when you look at the word Z, <clears throat> Zerah, which means C, C in Hebrew, isn't it interesting that our word for zero is Z-E-R-O? It is very close to Zera, which is Z-E-R-A. So it seems like when we talk about zero, zero, according to us, means nothing. But perhaps when we use the word zero, it came from zera, which means the embryonic stages of life when life begins. And we start with a zero, but the Hebrews, they started with zera, which is the seed. So now we want to look at the secret of the seed, the secret of the seed. When we study both the botanical and the zoological worlds of plants and creatures, there is a principle of existence when within each of them. And when we look at the principles of existence within them, which is akin to our creator, this principle of existence involves the seed inherited in the plant and the creature life. So when we look at the plants and the animals, we see the principle of life, which is the seed. That's what the seed is. The seed wasn't put into or attached to plants or creatures after they were created, but the seed was created along with them. When we study the plants and creatures, we discover that in each of these species, the seed is needed in order to reproduce the same of its kind. In each species, a plant and creature, there is a seed. Moreover, when we also observe that the seed arrangement in plants and creatures has been put into the, them by their creator. As we study them, aren't we revealing some aspect of our creator's nature? The true study of the nature of plants and animals of all kind reveals to us some aspect of Elohim who created them. This extraction of the principles of life found in nature, which align themselves with our loving creator, is a science of no mean undertaking. In the very way in which plants and animals re reproduce themselves points out that Elohim made them somewhat along the line of how his inner nature is. The secret we rediscover in, in, the, in the seed is a revelation of the hidden nature of Elohim. Since all life comes forth from Yehoah, it would seem that all life would in some way align itself with the life giver. The true student of science is one who searches for El or Elohim in all that is studied in nature. When the principle when the principles and laws of Elohim's nature are discovered in the nature of the living organisms, therein are the gems of great truths, which when they 
manifest themselves, there is an an a company they are accompanied by such an intrinsic joy. The principles and laws discovered in nature are like finding a great and costly treasure of jewels stored away in the earth. Upon such a discovery, there is joy untold. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 2, it is the glory of Elohim to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. We can discern in our study of the seed the inherited principles which governs the laws which are embedded in nature. The seed of Yah is the beginning of wisdom, which is the fear of Elohim, who brought forth the creation. Knowing that our Creator so constructed plant and animal life with principles and laws, He Himself has incorporated in them. These principles and laws of life weren't haphazardly put within the fish, the fowl, creatures of all kind. They were placed there by design. It was not by chance that this happened. It was by, by design. In our studies of Yah's creation, there are untold principles and laws of life stored up in nature, of which he has hid within the seed, which is hidden from the human eye. If we are to be kings and queens of this earth that he has designed it to be, let us find the true wealth of what we call the creation. What is the true wealth? of life, which is discovering true treasures of truth, such truth as we discover in nature, which is the true riches of life. So one of the age-old questions, as I've emphasized in the beginning of this lesson, one of the age-old questions that if that is continually being asked about creation is, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Okay, when such a question as this is being asked, it is in reference to whether Yahuwah created animal or plant first and then created the seed or vice versa. What this question poses is that he created first the chicken and then he created the egg. And there are those who have not only accepted this line of reasoning, but they also go along with the analogy that he created the egg second. However, upon examining this hypothesis, there are some scriptural flaws to such a theory. And we can iron out the wrinkles in such a theory as this by 
going to the scriptures themselves in order to justify our stance. So let us go back to the scriptures that we initially uh, started with, with Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Let us look at that methodically. And the Bible says, and Elohim said, let the earth bring forth. Let the bring earth bring forth what? He said, let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed was upon the earth, and it was so. So what we see in this verse is that the Bible says that the seed and the fruit came together. It wasn't one before the other. It wasn't a chicken and then the egg. The Bible says that when he made the fruit and the plants, the seed came with it. It wasn't an afterthought. They all came together. And it's reiterated in verse 12 of Genesis chapter 1. And he says, And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself. It tells us that the seed was in the fruit after his kind, and Elohim saw that it was good. So the question is being asked, which came first, the chicken or the egg? But we can see here they came simultaneously. They came together in the same place at the same time. They came together. So when we look at these texts, they answer our question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? According to Genesis, account, neither came before the other. They both came together at the same place at the same time. Now, why is that important? Why is that important? Well, it's important for two reasons. Number one, it's important, number one, is because the seed that is in the plant is represented by a principle that is found in the nature of Elohim himself. So in other words, what we are looking at in this particular scenario is something that is going to influence our studies throughout the study of the science of the seed. It's going to influence that. Because if the seed was already in the plant when the plant was here, it's going to point out something about Elohim's nature. And the second thing that we want to look at, and uh, this is very important, uh, when, 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 when we look at this, okay, now, we read in the book of Genesis, chapter 11, I mean, chapter 1 and verses 11 and 12, what I want, to, want you to notice is another factor that's going to influence our studies outside of the seed uh, having uh, what we might say in the fruit uh, coming along with the fruit at the same time. Outside of that, I want you to notice this in, in, in verse 11 of the first chapter of Genesis. And the part that it says, he says here, it said the, the, uh, it says the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. Now I want you to notice that, after his kind. Okay. And then we want to go down to verse 12 in Genesis 1, uh, 1 12. It says, uh, it said, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. 
Now, what I want you to notice that is very important that it says he brought forth the seed after his kind. In other words, he is saying that the seed is masculine. It says his kind, his, his mean is masculine. So what is so important about that? Well, what's so important about that is this, that when we deal with the seed, we're going to be dealing with a masculine agenda. That's what we are dealing with. So when we talk about a seed, the seed comes from the male. Okay. That's in the plant world. That's in the creature world. And that's in man's world. The seed comes from the male. So what we're going to do, we're going to have a conclusion here on this segment of it. And what we're looking at is that the seed which comes forth, it both shows somewhat of the nature of Elohim and is also a male seed. So what we're looking at is the seed comes along with the plant or the creature, and the seed is also a male. And so those two points are going to influence our studies to a great extent. So we bring that to a conclusion. Okay, so the the uh, seed is a male. Mm-hmm. Um, so before Yah created this world, was there already stone earth? I know there was already waters here, but was the stone and earth already here? No, well, let, let's let's let you let's let the scriptures answer your question. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's let the scriptures out. Okay, now the Bible says in Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, notice what it says. It answered. It should answer that question. It said, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Okay. okay. And verse 2 said, no, we ain't finished yet. Uh-huh. Verse 2 says, and the earth was without form and void. What did it say? The earth was without what? Form and void. Form and void. That's what uh-huh. it says. Now, Nowhere do you see that he said, let that be earth or let that be water or let that be stone. It was already here. Mm, okay. Now, with what was here, notice what it says. He said, and the earth was without form. He didn't say he brought it into existence. He didn't say, let that be earth or water. And stuff. He says, the earth was already here without form and, and void. In other words, it, it didn't have any plants or anything on it. And, and as a result... It didn't. It, it didn't have uh, all of what we consider uh, flowers and all of that. Mm-hmm. It was just water, stone, and and, and 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 earth. That that was all that was here. Now let's take it a little bit further. Uh, uh, here, it it says. Here it says. Uh, and he says, when they looked at the water and the earth, it says, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, remember, he hadn't commenced started creating anything. Mm-hmm. He said, and the spirit of Elohim, or the Ruach uh, Elohim, moved upon the face of the waters. Now, that was the initiation of the creation when, his, when Elohim's spirit, the Ruach, which it was his spirit, began to move upon the waters. 
And then when he moved up upon the waters, what did he do? In verse 3, it said, and Elohim said, let there be light. So he started his creation with light. But now, if you jump on down, if you jump on down to verse 6, it is said, Elohim said, let there be a firmament. So he creates the sky. And you go a little bit further down, uh, he, he talks about in verse 8, and Elohim called the firmament the heavens and even the morning first day, okay? Mm-hmm. Then when you get down in verse 9, it says, and Elohim said that the waters, now you know the waters was already here, mm-hmm. be gathered unto, uh, together unto one place, and the dry land appear, and it was so. So the waters covered the earth in the beginning because he, re- he, he mentions the word earth in the first, in, in chapter 1, in verse 2, he mentioned earth, and now he's saying he's going to separate the earth from the waters. So the waters was coming to earth. So the mountains, the waters, and the earth, they were already here. Okay. So with that being said, it seems like everything he created upon the earth had a seed from then on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we, if, we, if, we, mm-hmm. we, we, we're going to be exploring the seed in, in, in so many, well, I wouldn't say in so many, but we're going to be ex- exploring uh, the seed uh, from different aspects, okay? Mm-hmm. And it will bring in the aspect that you are articulating now, but go ahead on with your question. Okay. No, I just was making, you know, I was just saying that, you know, uh, if it seems like everything that was here did not have a seed, but everything after that, it had a seed and all. Okay. And I think that's a correct observation. And Mm -hmm. because when he made the herbs, the plants, Mm -hmm. everything had a seed, Mm -hmm. even us, we had Mm -hmm. a seed. And it's going to be Mm -hmm. interesting to see how you bring out uh, the viable points of a seed and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's like, you know, just like when a male and female, uh, what's the word, copulate or try to produce children. Procreation. Uh, procreation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a seed has to go into something mm-hmm. to fertilize. Same thing mm-hmm. when you plant a seed for flower, fruit, vegetation, whatever. A seed has mm-hmm. to go into the dirt. Right. So it's always seemed like the seed is inserted into something. And That's right, right, right. You, you, you're correct, and you kind of getting a little, little, little ahead of my studies, but <laughs> that's okay. That that shows you're listening. Yeah, okay. you got to be a seed, mm-hmm. and it has to it, it has to be inserted in something, and that very insertion that means something. Wow. That has a that has a world of meaning. Wow. I'm excited to hear you know this study on the seed because this is interesting. I know you had touched on it a little bit. Uh, a little while ago about how a woman shouldn't uh, have more than have more than one man because of the seed issue and yeah, everything right. because you know. of the seed. Right. So it's going to be interesting. So we want y'all to keep tuning in. It's going to be a good study. You, you're not going to want to miss at all. At all. So with that, we will go on to our next segment. Up next is let's talk about that. So uh, today, I want to kind of talk about and ask the pastor some questions 
um, about Yah's chosen people. So I want to go back to the go to the book of Deuteronomy. If you want to turn with that with me, Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, and we're going to read verses six through twelve. That's Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse six through twelve, and it reads, "For you are a holy people unto Yahuwah Eloheka. Yahuwah Eloheka has chosen you to be a special people unto Himself above all people." that are upon the face of the earth. Yahuwah did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people, but because Yahuwah loved you, and because he would guard the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. Has Yahuwah brought you out of out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Mitzrayim. Know therefore that Yahuwah Eloheka, he is Elohim, the faithful El, which guards his covenant and mercy with them that love him and guard his commandments to a thousand generations and repays them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hates him, he will repay him to his face. You shall therefore guard the commandments and the statutes and the judgments, which I command you to this day to do them. Wherefore, it shall come to pass that if ye hearken to these judgments and guard to do them, that Yahuwah Eloheka shall guard unto you the covenant and the mercy which he swore unto your fathers. So here we know that Yah has a chosen people. So my question, Pastor, today is, does Yah still have a chosen people to this day? Yeah, uh, he, he, he still have a chosen people. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, not only does he still have a chosen people, but uh, he's trying to gather his chosen people back together. Mm. And uh, one, one, one of the things about, it's interesting, uh, as we look at the seed, you know, we were talking about today. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, when Elohim established Adam, that was his people right there. Mm-hmm. And okay. then when they had an offspring, uh, they went astray. And so when they went astray, um, Elohim still continued to work out his covenant through uh, Adam when he had Seth. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Seth's line, they were considered uh, Elohim's line. Mm-hmm. But Cain had a different line. And then as you go from Adam, you went to Nor, and it's from Nor that Elohim continued his line. And so the distinction was made between those who wanted to follow Elohim and those who didn't. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like when 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 Nor had uh, uh, Shem, Japheth, and uh, Ham, and the world was destroyed by water, then they repopulated the, the world. And so from Nor we find that the sons of Shem, they followed in the line of what Elohim wanted. And eventually the sons of Shem, they came on down from, from uh, Nor all the way to a- uh, Abraham. And when Abraham uh, began to have children, he had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob. And it's from Jacob that he was changed to Israel that we find that those was his people. Mm-hmm. And so by the time we get down to Moses and then we continue on down through the prophets and to Yeshua, 
he still had a had a people because once he had a people, his people continued to grow. But mm-hmm. when we look at Deuteronomy 28 and when they broke his covenant because he said he'll protect you if you keep his laws, his statutes, and his judgment, mm-hmm. which they did not do. And he said, because you did not do it, I'm going to scatter you all upon the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. So where where is Elohim's people today? They are scattered all over the earth. Now, isn't it ironical? Everywhere you go, our people has been ostracized. Mm-hmm. They have been put down. No other race on earth has been put down like we are. Now, when you say and a lot our- of the Orthodox Jews and all of those, they are not the originals because they claim your heritage, but they, they never went through anything like we went through. Mm-hmm. And one our very suffering that we are going through is a demonstration of the fact that we are his people because he told us this would happen to us. We'll be scattered everywhere. You go to China, China puts down black folk. You go to the Ukraine. They didn't even want the black people in Ukraine to leave Ukraine when the other people uh, of other ethnicities, they could leave. Mm-hmm. Everywhere we go, we've been put down. And even Marcus Garvey, Marcus Garvey said everywhere he goes, it seemed like the black man has been put down. So, yes, he still has the people and he's calling his people back to him. So if. Um, and, it, you know, it's interesting that. Well, before I go and say that, what what was his chosen people supposed to have been for him because he didn't just choose the chosen people just to have his people. Was there a specific function they were supposed to serve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I'm going I'm to I'm point it out in a few ways. Uh, uh, let, let, I'm going to go to the, uh, the book of John in, in the New Testament. Okay. Okay. Let's go there. All right. Okay, to your question. All right, now here. Uh, okay, we want to go to the uh, the fourth chapter uh, of the book of John, you know, the Gospel of John, you know, Besura. Okay, now here in the story of the uh, Yeshua meeting the woman at the well when the disciples had gone away to get some food, and he's talking about the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to look at uh, some of the statements that he made, okay? Now, when we look uh, at the fourth chapter, we want to look at, let's start with... Uh, Verse 19, it says, The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And verse 20 says, Our fathers worship in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Yeshua said unto the woman, Believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. He said in verse 22, now I want you to notice specifically what he says here. Uh, and you got to get get this point. He, he said, ye worship, talking about the Samaritans, he said, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now, what did he mean by that? Mm-hmm. Okay, let, let, let's look at that methodically. He said, you don't know what you worship. 
He said, but salvation is of the Jews. Now, what was he saying? All right, let's go all the way back to your text in Deuteronomy. He told them if they keep their laws and the statutes. One of the reasons why, and you can read this probably in Deuteronomy itself, one of the reasons why he wanted to keep his laws and statutes and his judgments and his commandments was they were to teach to the world mm, okay. that Elohim's people were some of the most wisest and understanding people on earth. Mm-hmm. That's what they were to teach to the world. And they were to teach the world of how Elohim wanted to run the world. Because, see, when Adam and Eve was created and man began slowly after each generation to depart from him, they lost a knowledge of Elohim, his laws and the statutes. By the time that they got down to Moses, they were so much in the ignorance and the darkness. And when they went to Egypt, Egypt was worshiping everything that jumped out of the Nile River. If it was a frog, they worshiped it. Mm-hmm. If it was a snake, they would worship it. They had all that false worship. And his reason for bringing them out of Egypt is to re, uh, reinstitute or reiterate the law that they had lost the knowledge of. Okay. And now that they had writing, they could write it. And he, he was telling them about his law on Mount Sinai, but his voice was so powerful. They said, well, we can't hear his voice, Moses, because we, we were afraid. So Elohim said, okay, Moses, uh, I won't talk to him, but I'm going to have you to write it. And, uh, and, and then when you write it, I want you to give to him because what you write is what I spoke. And so as they did that, uh-huh. then they were getting back with the knowledge of it. But when they got the knowledge, even from Sinai, they went astray again. And then when the prophets was trying to get them back, they still went astray. And then they reached a point they wanted a king. So he gave them a king. And he said, every king. This is in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, every king that sits on the throne of Israel must read the Torah. They must have a copy of that. Okay. And then the kings ended up going astray. So by the time you get to Yeshua, Yeshua is telling this woman that salvation is of the Jews. In other words, the whole reason why he put his people on earth was to teach the plan of salvation. So he was telling in verse 22, of John's gospel, chapter four, he said, you worship, you know, not what we know what we worship for salvation of the is of the Jews. Okay. Uh, Elohim's people was to, is to teach the entire world about the plan of salvation. Well, you know, that's interesting because if he put the children, he chose a people to teach the people that call themselves Jews now, it's like they're keeping everything to themselves. They're not going out here trying to reach everyone. If salvation, you know, salvation is through the Jews, he, they're, mm-hmm. they're not trying to have salvation for everybody. It doesn't seem like because they're not going to all the corners. They're trying to keep on just amongst themselves and say, yeah, we are the Jews, which we all really know that. It, it they have uh, it, it's a case of stolen identity and all because I mean when you know you look at them they generally they either call themselves Ashkenazi Jews or Safari Jews or, and Ashkenazi mm-hmm. we know ties to the line of Japheth you know mm-hmm. and then on top of that you know when it talks about uh, the people who say they're Jews but are not and then uh, they are from the synagogue of Satan there's only one set of people who worship in the synagogue you know. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But see, the thing, the Jewish mind, the so-called Jews, 
they feel is wrong to proselyte. They feel is wrong to try to convert other people. They, from wow. their particular standpoint, you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. But, you know, but, but Paul, go ahead. No, no, no. What are you saying about Apostle Paul? They were saying that the Apostle Paul said he's all things to everybody, and they said that's duplicity. How are he gonna be everything to everybody? They uh-huh. take the they take the same text we got, and they look at it altogether different. They would say that you you're not supposed to try to convert anybody. They say that's uh-huh. offensive, and, and 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 a lot of them it's not so much as offensive. It's the fact that when they had the Holocaust over in, in uh, Dachau and Oswick in those German concentration camps, uh-huh. when the Christians did not come to their uh, rescue, they they said, how are you going to convert us with this Jesus? you the same one that puts us in the concentration camps. So it's not only on how they interpret it, but uh-huh. also with the experience that they have had with Jews, even though all Christians didn't do it. It was primarily under the Catholics because the Protestants didn't do a lot of that stuff. Mm. See, you know that that's that's interesting that you know uh, they have that type of mindset um, because at some point in time they had to have studied the Torah, and how do you get from the Torah that you're not supposed to, you know, try to convert others? I mean, to me. What is the point of salvation then? Yeah, well, the whole thing is, I guess they got they got some people. They are coming to them, mm-hmm. and they are converting not because they are the conversion, but when you come to them, then they give you Judaism, mm-hmm. and a lot of that Judaism is nothing but tradition. Because even Yeshua dealt with that in his day, when you, when Yeshua said he was a Jew, he was not talking about Judaism. He was mm-hmm. talking about that which the Torah was teaching. See, they, they got all types of traditions. Yeah. And when you look at some of their traditions, they're not biblically based. And then some of them, they would tell you that, uh, you can't find in the Torah because the Orthodox Jews, Mm -hmm. they, they only accept the first five books of the Bible. That's it. Now the Oh, that's it. Wow. They said, if you can't find it in the Torah, then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't exist. You're wrong. Mm. And then the conservative Jews, I believe they go, they at least they accept the Torah, mm-hmm. the first five books, which we call the Pentateuch, and the Orthodox, they call it the Torah, the first five books. But the conservative Jews, they would they they accepted the Torah, the first five books, along with some of the historical books and the prophetical books, but mm-hmm. they don't accept anything else. Mm-hmm. However, the Reformed Jews, they accept it from <laughs> Genesis to Re- Revelation. Mm-hmm. But they may have a different interpretation of the same scriptures that we have, but they have read and they accept the rest. Now, Orthodox Jews may read the New Testament, but they deny that it is original and that this is what we should follow. Mm-hmm. They say Apostle Paul is not telling the truth. Mm. Wow. They say if it's not in the first, the Orthodox said if it's not in the first five books, then you can't see it. But actually, but actually, it is there. Uh-huh. But you got to dig it out. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because they deny that that Yeshua is the Messiah. And 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 when we say, well, if he was not the Messiah, why did you stop sacrificing? That's but true. They'll come back. They'll come back and say, well, because there is no temple. 
And then we're going to build another temple. We're going to start the sacrifices back. But the fact is, when the sacrifice started, it didn't have a temple. So why are you why are you stopping? Yeah, but you know, uh, I've heard recently that I think some of them have started back sacrifices uh, because it wasn't too long ago. It was a video I saw. I think it was on YouTube where there was uh, sacrificing a lamb and then they went and sprinkled the blood around the altar and all this other stuff. And, um, mm. yeah. yeah, I everything. wouldn't doubt it because I've heard even some of the black Jews or Hebrews, they say you can't have Passover without a lamb. <laughs> yeah. So if that, it, so if, if that's true, they can just before they make the, get the lamb, I mean, cook it. They can take the blood and start sprinkling it as a sacrifice. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's 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 a lot out there. That's when you got to read the word and let the Holy Spirit lead you because it's just so much out there. Yes, it is. It really is. Now, um, if we are, if if His chosen people was to guard His covenant and His commandment. Does that come with Yah's guarding and protecting us then mm-hmm. also? Yes. What, what, what it is is that uh, when you go all the way back to the first covenant that he made with our first uh, mother and father, Adam and Chua or Eve, mm-hmm. when, he, when, when he made that first covenant with them, uh, their protection from the serpent and their protection from the environment and their protection from evil was because they kept his covenant. So mm-hmm. when you keep his covenant, he keeps you. He doesn't allow anything to happen to you unless it's going to be according to his will. And so when they broke the covenant, then they broke their protection. Mm-hmm. And this is why Abraham, now notice when Abraham went, went along, Abraham was so scared that when he went down to Egypt, he thought those people down to Egypt was going to take his wife. And so what did he do? He said, Sarah, you tell him that you're my sister. Mm-hmm. And what did Elohim do? Elohim came down and protected Abraham even though Abraham was not telling the truth. So now, if he protects a man that is not telling the truth, what is he going to do with the person who's telling the truth? It's true. Oh, yeah, he, he, he will protect you. And, um, and what I, like I said, he won't allow anything to happen to you unless he's, he, may, he may allow things to happen to you for his will. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're keeping it, most likely he's, he's going to keep you. So... I'm just wondering, like, in, in today's time, if the people really start waking up, uh, the chosen, the actual chosen ones really start to wake up and start to return to his covenant and start keeping his commandments and guarding those things. A lot of the things that go on today, I just wonder, will we, a lot of that start to uh, lessen a lot more? Because we would start, he'll see us. We we he'll see us. We guarding everything he told us to that our ancestors neglected, and we are starting to do and to keep. Does that protection starts to come back in play that they had when our ancestors was coming out of Egypt? Well, uh, l- let's look at it from this way uh, that. The Bible says faith come by hearing, okay, mm-hmm. and hearing by the word of Elohim. Mm-hmm. So faith is a thing. You can't walk by sight. You got to walk by what you hear, mm-hmm. and you heard the word. So what I'm saying is um, 
we are moving into a critical era that when you keep Elohim's word, you are making uh, war with those who do not keep it. In mm -hmm. other words, if you say that uh, you don't go along with Roe versus Wade situation, mm -hmm. you believe that a, no matter what the condition is, a person should have life, that mm -hmm. baby should be given life. And if you differ with that position with other people, it's a contention, isn't it? Mm -hmm. they, they looking at you, that woman ought to have the right to, to abort that baby, and you're saying, well, she doesn't have the right. Okay, so whenever truth comes out, it's going to disturb the other camp. Mm -hmm. So eventually what's going to happen is like what happened with Daniel and Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah when they went into Babylon. Now, it was more Jews that went down there than they did. But when they started keeping Elohim's a way of doing things, what happened? Well, respectively, what happened, the Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were put in the fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. And Daniel was put in the lion's den because they went against the traditions and the falsehoods. So it means to us, just like when Nebuchadnezzar came to the three, the three worthies, he said, I'm going to give you another chance. And what they tell him? They say, King, you don't need to give us another chance. We're going to serve our Elohims no matter what you do. So what I'm saying is it may be that some of us, when we need his protection, he may not give it to us. We may have to die for the cause. Mm -hmm. Others, he will deliver, just like in the time of Peter. When they put Peter in jail, they had already killed James. So why did Peter live and James didn't? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I'm saying is it's it's with the times in which we're living, yes, he will protect us, but we have to say that if he doesn't, we're still going to serve him. Some will have to give their lives, some will not. And when you get over to the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, it talks about people who were beheaded because they would not take the mark of the beast, which we have just discussed. And who was one of the ones who was beheaded? That was John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. He didn't save him. Even Yeshua, he didn't save him. But some of us, he will save. But we have to not so much think that the covenant is, is going to preserve us, mm -hmm. but we must say that the covenant will eventually give us that eternal life of which Adam lost in the garden. Okay. All right. Um, because I guess, you know, too, I just wonder... Um, with it seems like everything that has happened in the past is is really going to repeat itself you know just like how Sodom and Gomorrah I mean this world is kind of turning into another Sodom and Gomorrah and mm -hmm. I just wonder too and from what I you know seem like a read because I recently I've been reading in the book of Ezra uh Ezra the extended books that's found in the Sefer Bible and mm -hmm. it was talking about I believe in the uh, Ezra 4, I think either th book 14 or 15, it kind of talks mm -hmm. about Yah bringing his children back together. And it seems like how in plagues being poured out again, it seems like everything that happened in Egypt is once again going to happen again. 
and all that he's going to gather his children from where he um, scattered them to back together and that he's going to unleash a whole bunch of plagues on this world and all, you know, and, and I just wonder too, if that's one of the reasons why uh, the United States and these other countries have not really officially uh, let the black people go just yet. You know, I wonder do mm-hmm. they they feel this protection uh with us being here for right now? Because it did mm-hmm. speak in scripture that everyone who has persecuted his chosen, they're gonna reap what they have sown. And I just wonder, do they know this and they're like, No, we can't let them go. Just like King the Pharaoh <laughs> Pharaoh said, you know, I, I can't let you go. And then he, y'all had to continue to, to unleash these plagues on his people. And then he finally said, y'all got to get up out of here. And then even still, he was trying to get them back. You know, mm-hmm. so I just wonder, you know, is there protection for them right now with us being where we're at? Because they could have been said a long time ago, look, here, we pay for y'all a plane ticket, go back to Africa or wh- wherever y'all want to go back to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that, that, there, there is some credence in what you're saying because, uh, Oftentimes, when Elohim's people are in a certain place, he protects that place because his people are there. Mm-hmm. And one of the indications is that when 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 Joseph was down in Egypt, which was one of the sons of Jacob or Israel, mm-hmm. the place prospered because he was there. He wow. was following Elohim, uh-huh. and and the Pharaoh made him the next uh, prime minister or the next one in charge of Egypt, especially during the famine. Uh-huh. So um, I think many people recognize that it, uh, if you got Elohim's people there, not only would they prosper, but your place would prosper. And I've even seen where when they've mistreated Elohim's people and got rid of them, that their their employment went down. Yeah. And things things just changed drastically. So a lot of times Elohim got us in certain places, not only for us to be blessed, but to bless other places. And if they do right, they will be blessed. So it might be some credence that some are recognizing that, wait a minute, if we let these folk go, we may not be getting the blessing that we should be getting. Yeah. I I believe that because I I think uh, it seems like the tides are starting to turn. I'm I'm hearing a lot of our people are heading back to Africa now. I don't know why, you know. I mean, well, some of them say it's because of the stuff they deal with here and whatnot but it's just interesting that you know a lot of us are saying we we're leaving here and i'm just wondering in the future a couple more years down the road is it going to be a mass exodus at some point uh well i I wouldn't write it off i wouldn't write it off but i would say that uh we should stay close to his book yeah and allow the spirit to lead us so if we are to exit us we'll be a part of it and be led by a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause that's one of the things too. I, I think I hear some uh, of our people kind of jumping the gun. I mean, you know, if y'all are going to gather his people, I think it's going to be certain events that's going to happen. That's going to draw us all together and whatnot. I don't think it's something that we can just jump the gun and say, Oh, you know, I'm going where, where are you going? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we don't know where y'all, where, uh, he had the original uh, children of Israel, really, you know, and from what the scriptures say that that land is desolate to this day. 
and all. Yeah. You know, until he decides to put his chosen back there. You know, so mm-hmm. like where are you running to and all? Yeah, well, you know, like the scripture said, we walk by faith and not by sight. We really don't know uh, Abraham. He just told Abraham, get out of your era of the Chaldees, get out from among your people and go to a place I will lead you. He didn't exactly tell him where to go. Mm -hmm. He had to just move by faith, but he moved with the spirit. And then he ended up where Elohim wanted him to be. And then when he had his offspring, Elohim allocated to each one of the offspring of Jacob, you know, a certain land, you know, but we have to walk by faith. And if Elohim is, is leading us in a particular situation, we should do that. Yeah, very much so. All right, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we get ready to close out this podcast for this week? Okay. Loving Father, we look to you at this time realizing that you are Elohim. Not only did you create us, but you also redeemed us through your Son. And we ask that as we come through your Son, who is our mediator between us and thee, that he may atone for us and give us the necessary blessing that we stand in need. And the first blessing that we want is to be rid of our sins, O Heavenly Father, and our trespasses and our transgressions, and all of our iniquity, that the blood of Yeshua, which is his life, may cover us, and then wash us clean and pure in the water of the word and give the power of the Holy Spirit to us to be able to guide and direct us in these last days. Pray for my host, so Heavenly Father, myself, and each one who listens. Bless those who have gone through turbulent uh, times. Bless those who have experienced a loss of loved one and also have sick ones in the hospital or at home. Bless the sick and the shedding, and O Heavenly Father, give them strength to be able to get off their beds and to be able to have strength again. And most of all, we would ask, oh, Heavenly Father, those who are spiritual sick, that you would give them the balm that is in Gilead, oh, Heavenly Father, to heal their sin-sick souls, to be able to come to the cross and to be able to receive of Yeshua and the blessings that he has to give, to be able to walk in the way of truth, that as we come out of the Sabbath, oh, Heavenly Father, into a new week, we'll be walking in the way that you would have us to, that if you bless us with a Sabbath, we'll be able to come again, O Heavenly Father, to discuss your word and to understand what the covenant promises is all about, that when your son does come again, that we can be able to be walking in truth and doing the things that you have given to each one of us, that we can hear from your lips to well done. These and other blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. We want to encourage you to come back on Shabbat every Saturday at 1 p.m. And as we get close to, what is the feast coming up in July? Um, uh, that's the Feast of Sukkot or the Feast of Pentecost. Feast of Pentecost. We will be celebrating that and we will be letting you know what our plan is for that within the coming weeks. So we look forward to it. We look forward to the pastor speaking on the sea. It's very interesting to me because the seed is tied to so many things in science. And a lot of things we see today that has been manipulated, what do they do? They manipulate the seed, whether it comes to fruits, vegetables, plants, even humans now. They're trying to mix seeds with animal seeds and all this other stuff. So tune in. 
It's going to be great. It's going to be very interesting. And I expect to learn a lot from this series coming from Pastor on the Seat. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Know therefore that Yahuwah Eloheka, he is Elohim, the faithful El, which guards his covenant and mercy with them that love him and guard his commandments to a thousand generations. Until next week, Shalom.